Hello and welcome once again to worship on this wonderful Easter day. Christ is risen. there to the singing company for bringing us that joyful celebration of all this day is about. Now let's join together by singing song number 229 in the songbook. It's one of those great Easter songs that we don't seem to have sung a lot in recent years, but for tonight we'll do three verses and then repeat the chorus at the end. Hands clapping, tambourines at the ready, and let's sing our praises to the risen Lord. O oh, joyful sound, O oh, glorious hour, when Christ by his almighty power arose and left the grave. Now let our songs his triumph tell, who broke the chains of death and hell, and ever lives to save. He lives. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. In these somewhat dark and uncertain days that we as a world are living through right now, I've heard many people say with a sure and certain faith that they're so glad that Jesus is walking through each day with them. Isn't that a wonderful and reassuring reality? Jesus is needed as a friend in our own neediness, companion in our loneliness, a comforter in our sorrow and sadness, and a guide through our perplexity, and probably so much more too. In fact, I often wonder how on earth people even begin to cope without the knowledge of his wonderful presence in their own lives. But of course, we also sing many other things I cannot understand. And when I tried to think about this the other day, I realised that Jesus isn't only walking with us who know him, who love him and worship him. He cares for all of his children and is with them through their lives, whether they know it, believe it or not. What a wonderful God we serve. And it's because he understands exactly what it's like to be human. The only way he could truly know that was by becoming one of us himself and learning our joys and sorrows, our griefs and pains, our temptations and victories, our doubts and despairs. And our prayer chorus now affirms the theme of this meeting, the risen Christ, our companion on life's road. As we sing the chorus, he's the Christ of the human road. Well, once again, sadly, it seems this beautiful song has been lost from our current songbook. But the words read, He's the Christ of the human road, and he offers to carry our load. He's walking our way every night, every day, this Christ of the human road. He is human, and yet so divine. And he knows your heart's sorrow and mine. In all kinds of need, he's a true friend indeed, this Christ of the human road. Let's sing along now with this lovely arrangement of that song, written by Major Howard Davis. And because the notes might get a little bit high for us, we might just want to listen second time through and reflect on Jesus' sacrifice and victory over the grave and his presence by our side in life every day.
Dear Lord, we come to you this evening with humble and grateful thanks for all that you have done for us. For leaving your heavenly throne and coming to earth in order to be the saviour that the world needed, the only one who could be that saviour, and the only hope for a world that was lost. We thank you for dying for us, that by shedding your blood we can be saved from the ravages and destruction of sin, and for the eternal victory gained by your rising from the grave on that wonderful Easter Sunday so long ago. And Lord, we thank you that now you live within our hearts and journey with us on our own pathways through life every day. We know that we would be completely lost without your guiding presence and loving companionship through our lives. And we pray that you will help each one of us to share the good news of your saving and comforting power with those who we meet as we travel on those roads. Tonight, as we share this precious time of worship together, we want to feel the warmth of your holy presence with us as we sing and pray and listen to your word as it's spoken. And fill our lives with your Holy Spirit's power to equip us for all the challenges that life throws our way. Be with us all and inspire us to be the very best that with your help we can be. Amen. Let's sing again now, song number 231. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer.
song that is. Telling other people about our walk with Jesus is a vital part of our lives as Christians. If you receive a piece of good or bad news, how quickly do you spread it? I regularly see stories on social media that seem to spread faster than the wildest wildfire ever could. I know I mention my dad, Major Ken Harry, very often. But I sat in his meetings for the first 25 years of my life as an officer's kid, as well as living with him at home, so it's hardly surprising that he was such a great influence on my life, is it? He used to ask people, what has Jesus done for you? As a challenge to those in his corps. And then he would challenge them with, well, who have you told about it lately? Dad was a great advocate of testimony times, And in a book I've been writing about him and my experiences growing up as an OK, there's a whole chapter devoted to the wonderful people of Camborne Corps, whose testimonies I can recall so vividly, despite being only nine or ten years old at the time. I always refer to Camborne as the Testimony Corps, but I've been just as blessed with the testimonies here over the past three weeks, and I'm sure we're going to be just as blessed and challenged today. Let's sing together a great testimony song for Easter Sunday. It's song number 865 with words straight from Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. It's no longer I that liveth. And then Miriam Smith is going to share her testimony with us this evening. That's a phrase that I'm seeing or hearing a lot at the moment. In our current climate, fears are particularly heightened as we worry more than ever about our loved ones and our future. 
And that's certainly not helped by people spreading fake news articles about the virus. But fear can be crippling. And one of the worst things we can do is to let it prevent us from fulfilling the plans that God has for our lives. We could be quite comfortable where we are, whether it's in a job or in a relationship or in a community. Stepping out in a different direction into the unknown can certainly seem daunting. Fear could have prevented me from following God's calling on my own life to be a Salvation Army officer. Nine years ago, when I accepted that this was what God was calling me to do, I didn't think fear came into it. I clearly remember boldly, boldly telling him that I didn't have a clue how it would work out, but that I trusted him to guide my steps. From then on, all I had to do was trust him and he would lead the way. Sounds easy, doesn't it? But in reality, it hasn't been that straightforward. There were genuine obstacles standing in my way. And for a long time, it felt as though they were never going to budge. There have been times when I felt alone, as though he's deserted me. There were times that I was fearful that maybe I'd got it all wrong. But what I didn't realise during those times was that God was working some of his best transformation work in me. And he did that by putting the right people in my life. Really good, beautiful people who have helped me along my Christian journey. Things eventually came to a head when my core officer said to me, so what are you going to do about your calling? He reminded me that in order for Peter to walk on the water, he first needed to step out of the boat. He needed to put his fears aside. Next thing I knew, I was sitting in DHQ discussing my next steps. And after that, those obstacles that I hadn't really realised that I was afraid of were no longer the mountains that I thought they were. I could actually do something about my calling. So I put my trust in God again and started to move forward. Fast forward to my assessment conference a couple of months ago, nine years after I'd first said yes to God, and this was it, now or never. Was I scared? Well, maybe I was a bit nervous. I went along determined to enjoy every moment, and overall it was one of the best weekends of my life. There were times that weren't so enjoyable, times that were nerve-wracking, but nerve-wracking because you know that your whole future is hinging on what happens on that weekend. Or that's definitely how it feels at the time. But at the end of the weekend, when I'd done as much as I possibly could, it was time for Sunday worship. And it was one of the loveliest worship meetings that I've ever attended. But most profound, though, for me, was just before we went off with our prayer partners, God very clearly gave me some words to pray from Luke 22, verse 42. Words that Jesus himself had said, Yet not my will, but yours be done. Because those words had come from God, I was able to say them confidently, because suddenly all that mattered was that I was at the centre of God's will, and I was comforted by the realisation that his will is best. If being accepted as a candidate wasn't meant to be, then I could definitely be assured that God had bigger and better plans for me. At the time when Jesus was his most fearful, in Gethsemane, he was able to utter those words, yet not my will, but yours be done, because he knew that the outcome would be that he was filling his father's will. Although I've been accepted to commence training in September, I've got no idea how that's going to pan out. The country's in lockdown, 
I need to sell my house. I need to have my notice in at work. But I need to know that my house will be sold before I make that move. So much uncertainty. But should I be fearful? I don't think so. God's faithfulness has already brought me this far. He's already got this. And that assurance is in this verse that's come up time and again in the past couple of years. In Romans 8, verse 28, which says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So these are just a few things that I've learnt throughout this application process. And they're things that continue to encourage me and keep me on the right path towards fulfilling his will in my life. One, God is faithful. He has removed every obstacle that stood in my way. In his time, and sometimes in surprising ways when I've been abundantly blessed. Secondly, the art of patience. He's taught me the art of patience. I've learned that God does everything in his time because his timing is perfect. In those times when I thought nothing was happening, God was putting the right people in my life to encourage me and help me grow. And most of all, we don't need to be fearful. Just because we think things may be difficult and we don't think things are going our way, it doesn't mean that everything's going wrong. It's because we need to keep on being faithful in prayer and discerning his will, because his plans really are the best and he will have his way if we put our trust in him and let him take away our fears. Keep your eyes on the risen Jesus and he will guide you every step of the way. Our Bible reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them 
what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. At this point in our meeting, we're going to listen to the message from the band. And they're going to play a most beautiful piece of music, Dean Goffin's The Road to Emmaus. This selection takes us right the way through the Easter story, beginning with the Passion Chorale, O Sacred Head Sore Wounded, reflecting the crucifixion on Good Friday. And you can feel the despair of the disciples in particular as they mourn the loss of the one into whom they'd put all their hopes. The end of a great adventure that had dominated all their lives for the past three years. But then we hear the beautiful George Marshall melody, Jesus himself drew near, representing how the Lord came close to Cleopas and the other disciple, just as we heard in our reading. As the music continues, we hear reference to a line from elsewhere in the story. Did not our hearts leap within us? Abide with me comes next, as the disciples plead with Jesus to stay with them. And then the realisation that he may have lain low in the grave, but he rose again. Jesus! Oh, how sweet the name! And of course, Jesus can stay with each one of us in every day of our lives if we sing the words, Into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. May the experience of those early day followers of Jesus be yours and mine as we listen to this great piece of music.
Their eyes were downcast, and the pace was slow. Why these things had happened, they did not know. On their shoulders they bore grief's heavy load, as they walked that long Emmaus road. A stranger joined them as they walked that way, slowed his pace to hear what they had to say. Step by step he walked along with them there, and from the scriptures he began to share. Grief-stricken and saddened, they did not know who it was that joined them walking so slow. In fellowship sweet he expounded God's word, and their hearts glowed at what they heard. From Moses through the prophets he made known of an open tomb and a heavenly throne. They listened carefully while he talked, as together the Emmaus road they walked. Did not the Christ have to suffer, he said, and after to be raised up from the dead? As they approached the place that they were staying, he acted as though he would not go in. The day is far spent, stay with us, they said, and he entered their house and broke some bread. And their eyes were opened, and they knew it was Jesus, but he vanished from their view. Did not our hearts burn within us, they said? And they got up and to Jerusalem sped, found the others and said, It's true, the Lord has risen, and we've seen him too. That's a poem by Royston Allen.
A short prayer together before we look into God's word. Lord, as we come to consider the truth and wonder of your resurrection, we pray that the Holy Spirit will open and enlighten our minds so that your living presence will be a reality for us all. Amen. I enjoy walking. Most of us understand that walking is good for the body and the mind and spirit. But we're in the middle of a serious crisis right now, which means that walking, other than that permitted once-a-day walk in the vicinity of our home, is severely restricted, for a while at least. So I've been recalling some of the memorable walks I've done in the past, like the exhilarating walks I enjoyed to the top of Snowdon and Ben Lomond and Ben Nevis, and some of the romantic walks I enjoyed with my late wife Pauline. And I've remembered a sort of anxious walk I had while living and working in Papua New Guinea. Having crossed the open sea in a dugout canoe to a remote village and enjoyed my time there, I found that the owner forgot to come back for me. So I had to face a long walk in the burning sun until we could spot a passing boat and call it in with the request that we'd be taken back to the airstrip. One of the favourite post-resurrection stories centres on a walk. We read it together earlier. Many of you will know it well, so let me just briefly review it. Cleopas, about whom we know very little, and his friend about we know even less, not even his name, were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on the Sunday evening following the crucifixion of Jesus. This was a journey of about seven miles. These two people knew Jesus. They had obviously put a lot of faith in him. They believed he was the hope for Israel's future, the promised Messiah. But they had seen him brutally murdered, crucified on a cross, a vile and humiliating way to die. It was devastating for them and all who had put their faith in Jesus. Every hammer blow on those nails as they crucified Jesus had splintered their hopes and crushed their dreams. So with shoulders slumped and heads bowed and steps slow and faith fractured, they set out on their journey. As they walked, they talked. Luke twenty four fourteen says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And then they became aware of someone walking with them. Luke twenty four fifteen says as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. They eventually reached their destination and so engrossed were they with the content of the conversation that they wanted more. So they invited their fellow traveller to stay with them for the night because by this time it was evening and the stranger accepted. And the most amazing thing then took place as he took the bread and broke it. They suddenly recognised that this fellow traveller was no stranger at all. This was Jesus, risen, alive, real. 
It's an immortal story. There are just two simple points I would like to make about this story. The first is to note where it happened and then to see how it happened. So let's see where it happened. It happened on a road, a quiet road in fact. Think about this. Here is Jesus, Son of God, who died to take away the sins of the world. Here is Jesus, who's taken a massive swipe against the power of death and the fear of the grave. Here is Jesus, who has miraculously and dramatically come alive again, risen from the tomb in which he had been laid and which had been sealed. Here he is, choosing to prove the point of his resurrection on a country road, when it's almost dark, with only two people to witness it. Why didn't he choose to reveal his risen presence in some prestigious place in the city centre? Why not a place where he could command attention and acclaim from the crowds? Why not outside the guardhouse to make a point to the soldiers? And if we're talking about making a point, why not outside Pilate's residence or in front of the priests who had treated him so harshly? or in the temple. Any of those places would have been eminently suitable. Surely that's what a, a modern team of PR advisors would have recommended. Any one of those places would have created a breathtaking spectacle and made an unforgettable impression on the high and mighty officials. But no, he chose to appear on a road when it was quiet, when it was nearly dark, and where there were only two people to see him. But you know, in a way it doesn't strike me as odd that Jesus should do this. His ministry manifesto was to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, released for the oppressed. So, in the light of that, where would you expect to find the risen Jesus? Walking the carpeted palace corridor? Standing on the ramparts of the impressive temple? No. Jesus comes in his risen glory to the ordinary, to the everyday, to the commonplace. There's a road that runs through the war devastation of Syria. That's where you find the risen Jesus. There's a road that runs through the refugee camps of Yemen. That's where you find the risen Jesus. There's a road that runs through the chaos of natural disasters in Haiti. That's where you find the risen Jesus. There's a road that runs through the refugee camps of Bangladesh. That's where you find the risen Jesus. There are roads that will take you to numerous hospitals right now where people of all ages, all religions and none are suffering and dying because they've been assaulted by the coronavirus. That's where you find the risen Jesus. And there's a road that runs through London, Birmingham, Cardiff, Glasgow, Belfast, Truro, the city or town or village where you live. And that's where you find the risen Jesus. Wherever there are hurting people, wounded people, desperate people, that's where you find him. He came to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, release for the impressed. 
release for the oppressed. Friends, we all have to walk along our own road in life, and sometimes it's painful. Sickness comes, bereavement, domestic upheaval, emotional pain, feelings of rejection, feeling unloved, feeling that life is pointless sometimes, because life does so often seem unfair. So hear this. That is precisely where you find the risen Jesus. You find him on your road, in your circumstances, and he's there if you look for him. So we have seen where it happened. Now just one more thought. See how it happened. Luke 24, 28 and 29 says that Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. The authorised version of the scripture says they constrained him to stay. The New English Bible says they pressed him to stay. But then see what happened. Verses 30 and 31 say that when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. What opened the eyes of those two people to the reality of the risen Jesus, I wonder? Had the setting sun been dazzling them so that it was only when they went into the room to rest that their eyes properly adjusted? Was it the way he handled the bread? They would have seen him do that before. Was it his voice and the way he said the blessing? They would have heard him speak many times before. Did they see the nail marks in his hands? I personally think that's very likely. We can never know for sure, but what we do know is that it was when they asked him to stay with them, to come in and share with them, to be with them, that they became aware of the incredible truth that he was alive and present with them. That's how it happened. There is no doubt that Jesus is on every human road that has to be walked in this life. But we only personally experience his presence when we ask him to stay with us. It's only when we see the nail-pierced hands for ourselves that we can truly know the reality of his living presence with us. You may talk about him, those two did. You may talk with him, those two did. But it's only when you ask him to stay, when you see the nail prints as those two did that you experience the power of the living Christ for yourself. And that's when an Easter day takes place in your heart and a revolution takes place in your life. And when Jesus becomes real to you, you have new purpose, a new program in your life, a new power in your life and a new peace. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yes, when you meet, truly meet the resurrected Jesus, your life can be and will be changed by his resurrection presence and power. Friends, he's the Christ of the human road. He's on your road with you now. Ask him to stay. 
We're going to conclude this lovely time of fellowship together with song number 358, Crown Him With Many Crowns. And after the blessing, we'll listen to another great song written by George Bennard, who also wrote Christ of the Human Road, The Old Rugged Cross. My thanks tonight go to the Amsterdam Staff Band and the Canadian Staff Band, Portsmouth Citadel Songsters and Singing Company, Peter Ayling, Hendon Band and Songsters, Sydney Congress Hall Band and Camberwell Citadel Band, whose contributions have aided worship and enhanced our meeting. And of course, our great thanks to Commissioner Keith Banks.
And now on this resurrection day, may thy grace, peace and heaven's richest and choicest blessings go with us until we meet again. Amen. Thank you.